Hello and welcome to St. Louis City Press and International Friendly. I'm Phil Halley. Joining me to talk about St. Louis's 3-0 win over the Houston Dynamo are Chris Huff, our man from Hanoi. Hey guys. And Nathan Halley. Hello. I think we have, again, audio sent in from Drew, our man in, I don't know, Europe somewhere. I, I really think it's still Madrid. Could be. Do we worry that people think that Chris is actually from Hanoi? I'm just in Hanoi. In Hanoi, from St. Louis. Okay. You know, that's why he follows the team. Cleared that up, yeah. Well, Drew's not from St. Louis. No, no connection. He does live here. But he lives here because of the soccer team, explicit. Like, that's the only reason he lives here, right? Well, we'll let him clarify that on a future pod. We'll get into it. His connection to that city. That was a decisive win. Three nothing. Two of those coming on penalty kicks. Maybe it, let's let's talk about it. What were the highlights of the game for you guys? Okay, I just wanted to leave a nice awkward pause there. Uh, so I read this article on the in the Atlantic. It was talking about penalty kicks, and it, it makes me feel dirty for getting two of them. It basically. It broke down to this. There were some graphs, which it's hard to explain um, for me anyway. But basically, the XG on a penalty kick is like 0.78. Got a 78% chance of scoring a penalty kick. Or 100% if it's Leuven. Sure. Um, 60% of the time, it works all the time. The post-shot XG on Leuven's penalty kick was 99%. <laughs> but the XG of... It's not the XG, but it's like the percentage that a... I guess it is XG, but they didn't call it XG. This is why I'm the worst person to explain this. Like the percentage that the possession that led to the penalty would score is far lower than 0.78. That's why it's a... That's why you're being penalized. Okay, but so the example that we're given, we're like, if you foul someone in basketball on a three-point shot, you just get three shots from the free throw line. You don't like... The percentages are slightly better, but not drastically better. Like the the amount you're being penalized in soccer is is hugely overrated compared to like what that play would have generated if you hadn't been fouled. So what you're saying is that like the equivalent of if a free throw were worth 20 points or something or or 30 points, I don't know, a a massive margin in a, a basketball game. Yeah, or if instead of like... You get a three point, you're fouled on taking a three point shot. You just get to do a layup for three points or 20 points, like you said. Anyway, their suggestion was to do what the MLS used to do and have run up free kicks. So I think that's what we should do. Anyway, the two penalties apparently, the first one was kind of soft, according to everything I've read. I don't know, Chris, what were your thoughts having seen it on the TV? Uh, I heard, we'll get into my thoughts on the, the commentators again later, but I heard that said about both of the penalties, and I I don't think it matters. I don't think they were soft. I don't even know what that means, if it's relevant or not. Like, that's not part of the rules. There's no real degrees to the whole thing. There's no shades of gray. It's just, it's a yes or no question. And the answer was yes. He was fouled from a push from behind on the first one. And an even bigger push on the second one. Yeah, the second one was, you know, very clearly a shoulder to the back of Jackson when he had the ball at his feet. Yeah. I think, yeah, give give credit to Indy. It was a good run. It was, it reminded me of Klaus. You know, he's just 
taking it through defenders in the box. You know, with respect to the penalty rules, unless you want to see more fouling of the offense, like these are the rules of the game, everyone understands them. You know, if you reduce the penalty, you're going to see more fouling. And I, I don't know that that makes sense. It's true. Yeah. And you keep it, you want to see open play goals. That's, you know, that's the most exciting moment in this sport. So you want to, you want to try to prevent the fouls uh, that, that stop them from happening. Yeah. By penalizing them very strongly. Yes. I thought it was a good run from Indy. You know, if they had not given the penalty, I think we probably would have been fine with that. The crowd would have yelled, but would have moved on but there were two other goals yeah and none for houston none for houston but yeah indy drawing fouls i said is the new other team back passing to us so i shouldn't do this but i i read like social media go onto reddit game threads and stuff there definitely seems to be vibes that oh well now that teams aren't back passing anymore the refs are giving st louis city <laughs> penalties uh. Yeah, like I said, I really need to stop doing that. Um, I recommend as a replacement listening to the post-game press conferences from Carnell. They're pretty good. He gives a good press conference. He does. It's been said. I don't. I think it was who was it that said that in our Discord? I don't think I've ever listened to one of his uh, press conferences, so it wasn't me. I think it was Patrick. Yeah. In the press conference, he did address a number of things, but he talked. He wasn't. He was not happy that Giacchini took the second penalty he said he supports the team but Leuven's the designated penalty kicker yeah that's like at work if one of my employees does something they're not supposed to like yeah i support the team but don't do that i was nervous when he was taking the penalty oh yeah it turned out fine i heard that he asked for it it wasn't like Leuven offered it which is i don't i don't know what the like let's go to our man who actually plays soccer that seems like a little gauche but maybe that happens more often than yeah i you want whatever sort of hierarchy has been instilled by the coach or the players themselves prior to the game to, to, to stand in those moments for sure. I don't think it's as cut and dried as like an employee at work doing something they're not supposed to do. He's a striker. He wants to score goals. Strikers feed off of scoring goals and they get more and more confident and they score more and more goals. So there's an argument to be made that he needed that. Uh, he certainly wanted it. And on TV, you could see the whole conversation playing out. And Lewin was like, oh, come on, man. And he he waved him off and he lined up over the ball. And then he reconsidered it and he called him back and he said, OK, Nico, go ahead. It was. Oh, interesting. It was it was sort of a sweet moment. Uh, and I think it was sort of a leadership moment of both saying no, but then reconsidering you. I don't know. I think it's okay to have mixed feelings about that. I'm glad he scored and we don't have to discuss what would have happened if he didn't. Yeah, no, I mean that, right. If that turns out the other way, I just think it's all we're talking about and that's a big risk, but it worked out. Leuven does take a really nice penalty. That first one was just blasted. I mean, the goalie guessed correctly, jumped correctly and yeah, there's no chance. All right, so Leuven had a, a hell of a game, man of the match. I do want to bring something up that, that is actually bothering, bothersome to me. Um, this may alienate a listener or two, but if so, I'm fine with that. Uh, so before the game, it's it's Pride Month here in the U.S. 
celebrating our LGBTQ communities and friends. So the St. Louis City team wore pride jerseys as the warm-ups before the, before the match. Everyone on the team was wearing them except Leuven and Hebert. So making their statement that they don't agree with this in their little way. I thought it was really impressive that literally everyone else on the team was wearing them. In other sports, I don't think you get that level of, of commitment. The MLS as a whole is is very committed to this, and it was it's great to see. The, the city fans also seem very committed. There are always flags in the supporter section and stuff, but it was noticeable that it was was Leuven and Hebert and, you know, not cool guys. That's that's my stance. It was disappointing to see that. Felt it it honestly made it like a little bummed for me that he had such a great game because it was like, come on, dude. Anyway, that's my rant on that. Hebert's from Canada. Like I don't know. Uh, you know, that's almost I'm looking to make excuses for him based on where he's from. And Leuven's from Germany. It yeah, no, we don't like to see that. Yeah. I thought speaking of people who did wear the Pride jersey thought Celio had a really good game, especially in the first half, maybe cooled off a little bit in the second half, but was really making some nice runs, making the, the defenders on Houston look, look a little silly a few times with how he was able to, to control the ball past him and, and make plays. He's been a little lost maybe the last couple of games, but he was really, he was really playing well tonight. Would have liked to see him get you know some sort of statistic for, for the work that he was putting in, but really liked to see him out there. Yeah, no, I I liked him. I think there were a lot, you know, up on the wing by the box, but even in the midfield, I think he was making good plays. Yeah, I thought he had a really good night. He even made one really nice playback uh, defensively, maybe more. There's one I can remember. I also liked seeing uh, Jackson out there. Phil was not, Phil did not have the same opinion, but I thought he made some nice runs and was bringing some energy to the game. I agree with both of those things. The substitution surprised me. I I just had not imagined it or expected it, but I think it obviously worked out. I was proud of him for getting that body positioned when he drew the penalty. Uh, he chased that ball down and you know got the hockey assist or the fantasy assist. I suppose it's not a hockey assist; it's a fantasy assist. In fantasy Premier League, you get an assist for winning a penalty that's converted by someone else. I mean, it was a stupid penalty for Houston to give up. Like he wasn't, you know, he was yeah. going out wide. He was at the edge of the box. He wasn't going to be able to score that. And it was a silly challenge. Yeah. I, I, okay. Leuven, we would like to have seen the whole team wearing the pride jerseys. His defensive run, let's, let's divorce the man from the soccer player. The defensive run where he broke up that play um, out of nowhere. That was, that was, that impressive. was crucial. Yeah, that was crucial. Would have been nice to see him wear the Pride warm-up jersey, yes. Well, let's talk about the goal we we got in the course of play. A Leuven set piece, a Bartlett header, an Ostrock finish. That was a really pretty goal. Nice to see Ostrock get a goal since he was very nice to my sister and Helen. He seems to always be, when given the chance, contributing to the team's success. I'm really proud of him and happy for him. Yeah, I continue to wish he'd get more starting minutes, but we've got potentially a lot of midfield depth now also. Um, good good defensive depth and midfield depth. Yes. Well, especially if Alm is back healthy. Let's talk about Alm. He got subbed in. I guess not a ton to show for it. It's a silly yellow, but it was good to see him. As, as you recall, the reason why he was going to be subbed on late in the game was to spread his toxic eye juices to... Oh, right. The opponents, yes. Which I think was a success. 
<laughs> and speaking of advanced statistics, which we're not really speaking of, but I did read an advanced statistic saying that we are eight one and one in games that Alm plays. Oh, so I mean that's just math. It's just math. Yeah, I I was I was glad to see him out there. I don't think that's an advanced statistic. That's a simple <laughs> fact. <laughs> oh, it could be. It could be. I don't. <laughs> it's early. I thought the best player on the pitch again was Jabulo Blom. And I did read some statistics that, that backed that up on the dreaded social media last night, but I don't remember them. There were at least 10 times where he, and probably more, where he just stepped in and like made an amazing play that turned the tide of the game. He is so solid back there. And I think really changes the entire, you know, it's crazy that in a team of 11 players out there, one player can do this, but he really changes the like entire shape of of how we play and i just can't imagine he's going to be with our team for long but as long as yeah. he is i love watching him he just oozes confidence and he tries things that i think i said in the discord some of them are high risk and they usually pay off and they're high reward after that but going back to the one that you mentioned before phil with leuven making that great defensive run back and and basically saving what looked like it was going to be a pretty easy goal uh, by nicking the ball away at the last minute. Leuven arguably should not be the one doing that. You would expect probably the more traditional number six, Bloom doing that. And he, was no, he wasn't even on the screen, I think, when, when Leuven made that tackle, uh, watching from home. So yeah, I actually think he made a mistake mm. a little bit before that led to that happening, like overcommitted or something. I could be wrong, but I seem to remember that. I do love watching him play, though. And he's been a revelation for us this last run of three games since he's come on for starting minutes. You know, he really frees up the midfield and yeah, that confidence. I think it was, there was a statistic, it was four interceptions or something. They were all just him stepping forward. It's always him, you know, high up the field, stepping forward, breaking up a play Mm -hmm. that, you know, just really changes the, the game. Phil, you running a like breakfast restaurant there for children? I'm trying to hit the mute button. <laughs> Just tell him to shut up. Uncle Nate says, speaking of Carnell's press conference, which I didn't watch as we're like finishing looping through the players. He said that Nico was drawing two defenders like Alm was. I meant to watch for that last night. You mean Klaus? Yep. Like Klaus does. I meant to watch for that last night, but didn't. Chris, did you get those vibes? So he there's there's one good, good example of it that I did notice live. I haven't rewatched, so I'm, I'm sure there are more. Uh, but on that second goal, which was by far the sweetest one of the bunch for me, because it wasn't a penalty, and it involved you know execution from Leuven, the free kick taker, Bartlett, who headed it across, and... Ostrak, who finished it uh, accurately, three people involved in that very dynamic goal. If you watch that, Ostrak was available at that back post because Nico had made a run and dragged at least two guys with him. Uh, So on a set piece like that, it's not quite as maybe much of a drag away from where they would want to be the defenders. But uh, I mean, I think it counts. I didn't. I didn't actually think Nico had the worst game. That said, I don't know. We harp on this every time. He goes down too easily. He's, you know, there's the boy who cried wolf. He loses credibility just immediately and doesn't get anything to show for it. He almost got a red card out of the other team that was called back by VAR. What did we what did we think of whatever shenanigans went on there? 
started with with Blom. It was exciting in the stadium. I didn't know it was happening, but I was worked up. Yeah, it was exciting. It felt like a hockey game. Mm. On the replay, you just see Parker step in and just bear hug the other team and just walk them away calmly. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's well handled. Yeah. You know, I think I think the referee was looking for the referee core was looking for a reason not to send someone off, which I never want to have to send someone off and alter the game as a referee, I think. But especially at halftime, like yeah. that leaves a lot of game left. I think it could have stood. The red card could have stood and there would have been no arguments to make. I think it was enough egregious enough, as you said, around the from behind. He doesn't get him in the face. He does. It does the like the linked hand sort of roll up to his neck, which is is good enough for me to be you know dangerous. Nico, maybe he goes down a little easier, but at the same time, maybe he doesn't. I don't think we can. Really, I, mean, I think he's also crashed into judges. by like the yeah. crowd of players in front of him, like Parker's in front of him and kind of falls back. Yeah. It, it, whatever. It's a big brawl. Franco from the other team, number seven, There's runs no in need to do that. needlessly and grabs yeah. him from behind. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's totally unnecessary. And I think it could have been a red. It's fine for it to be a yellow. Well, and you could see his own team was just furious with him. Yeah. And that uh, that defender is Fiatchenko. I think this was like his first start in a while or something, or he's been injured and he's, or maybe he's a new player or something. I don't know. But uh, from what I understood from the commentators and I'll have to check on this so I can give accurate information to our listeners. Uh, he hasn't, you know, been a traditional leader on that team and to see him so, you know, pissed off at his teammate was, was remarkable. You don't see that very often. All right. I guess this is a good time to talk about Max Bredos. No, I got I want to talk about Parker. Uh, before we talk about Maximiliano. Parker, I think, had a really good game. He might have slipped the last couple of games, but uh, played really, really well. Multiple times where he was just super solid in the back, even made some nice runs up up forward. He's been so good for us. So Kelly asked why. He, he gets pretty big cheers in the stadium, and people are big fans of him. I think a lot of that is carryover from scoring our first ever goal. Like He'll always be a fan favorite because of that, but I think he's also just really solid and likable. So he we acquired him from Houston and Houston is actually still paying like a large portion of his salary for for him to be here and some again on social media someone had like posted the tweet of when we announced signing him and it was all just negative stuff in the comments like why are we doing this or he's going to be terrible or glad we're getting rid of him. So it's really nice to see these guys who had I guess were kind of like castoffs or afterthoughts um, really thrive under under the system here. I think it's got to be the case that if MLS has a coach of the year, Carnell's got to be in consideration for that. Just what he's been able to do with a lot of players that that no one else really thought much of. And then credit to Lutz for for finding them. Also, Lutz uh, tried to rescue another bird last night. So this is now becoming a thing where he finds birds on the field and tries to save them. So we'll have to watch for that. Yeah, at a certain uh, point, you got to wonder if he's putting the birds on the field in the first place to rescue them later. He's seeding the field with injured birds. I don't believe that for the record. I don't believe Lutz would ever do that. I think he's just a genuinely soft hearted towards the avian brothers and sisters. He has a history of taking care of birds. He does. So, all right, Phil. So in the, in the row, I don't know the commentators, I guess it's Max Bredos was very insistent that Nico was simulating and he kept going on about it. I don't know. I only watched 
bits and pieces of the game, but I heard about it multiple times, including well past when it happened. I, I'm usually the first, one of the first to be down on Nico for his diving. That wasn't, you know, even in this game, that wasn't the most egregious of it. What did we think of the commentators? Chris, you, you watched the whole game. Zero out of five stars would not listen again if I didn't have to. I think they're, I think Max Bredos in particular just has nothing nice to say at any point for St. Louis, you know, and, and our players. He, in the last two games, he's commented, he's commentated on, on both of the matches and it's got to be close to like 65, 75% of the time. He's just talking up like even random guys on the bench or the coach or the tactics for Vancouver first and then Houston this time. I Maybe I'm insane. Maybe I just, I'm so biased that I, I hear bias in, in neutrality, but it just seems pretty egregious to me. I'd, I'd love to hear from our fans who also watch the game and can comment on this. I So I'm on the record as disliking Max Bredos. I do have a corrections and omissions. A few weeks ago, maybe it was last week, I said that, so his real name is Maximiliano Bredos, and I said that was a little much. Turns out he is the son of Cuban exiles, so perhaps it is less a little much and more that that's just the Cuban version of Maximilian. Now, I wouldn't name my kid Maximilian either, but I do want to be a little more sensitive, so I'm going to say it's only kind of much. He talked a lot about toasted ravioli. Oh, he... There was even a Twitter post uh, before the game where he was eating toasted ravioli. I saw that post and I was like, oh, no, Chris is going to be upset because I then realized he was back. All right. uh, you should you can watch the game with Joey Zanaboni, right? Isn't that an option? Apparently last night that wasn't working. Oh, and that's an entirely different risk. <laughs> did he did he give a review of the toasted ravioli? I honestly dislike him so much that I couldn't watch it. I just saw it and moved on. Okay. I sort of might need to know that and seek that out so I can cement my opinion, etch it in stone, and hold it forever. I can I can go back and find it. All right. I have not listened to this, but we do have a recording that Drew sent in. So let's throw it to our man in Europe, maybe Madrid, Drew Olson. Hey, everybody. This is your pal, Drew. I've got another podcast epistle. I'm in Bilbao in Spain, in the País Vasco, the Basque country. Thank you guys for all the nice things you said about me in that midweek episode. I meant a lot. Uh, what a game we had last night. It kicked off here with the time difference at 2.45 in the morning. How about those Eddie Lyons set pieces? He is set piece king. Der König der Standardsituationen, according to my translation. Um, he set up, with the assistance of Bartlett, that delightful strike in at the far post. Um, I wasn't able to really see him off the his play off the ball on the stream, but I did see. You know, I do like the these goal situations where he is just intelligent and he is in the right place. Uh, that week, last week and, and yesterday or last night. Um, I think we're loving Blom. We're giving attributing a lot of, or let me say, this is, I'm doing this again. I am attributing a lot of our, our success without Klaus to Blom's return and pushing the rest of the midfield closer upfield. Um, we're, you know, with Hebert 
Parker and Bartlett, we can't really drop any of those guys. They're playing so well. Berkey, who I expected would be good, is basically a almost flawless shot stopper and and an excellent captain and distributor. Um, you know, just want to quickly mention Nico taking the penalty off. Eddie Lyons don't like that. Um, I think that heaps a lot of pressure on him uh, that wasn't there. I mean, it's already we have a we there is pressure. You know, we'll take the we'll take Eddie with a seventy six percent chance to to score. Um, anyway, we don't need you know it's a little childish to kind of make this up in game. Surely it should be worked out on the training ground. Um, there's a chain of command. The rescinded Houston red card in first half stoppage time. Um, let's just say after I saw the replay, I had a Michaela Maroney-esque look of disapproval on my face. Um, and, you know, one thing I would say about it is Blom shouldn't have gotten a yellow card there. He... You know, he made the initial foul because he's Stapa. He's, that's what he's going to do. He's very good at playing soccer. And the other guy was upset about it, which is okay, but then he started pushing and shoving. And what's Blum supposed to do then? Like, he defended himself, and I guess they, you know, standard procedure is to give everybody yellow cards who's involved in a fracas, but in this case... Stoppa was just stopping, um, and I, I th and uh, you know, whatever. Uh, quick correction and omission. Um, I think I said Miguel Perez was had reached the age of maturity. I'm not sure about that. He has reached the age of majority. Um, at midweek, Nate mentioned the pride jersey, uh, and I was glad to hear about that. Uh, the fans looked amazing in the stadium. Also, were donning some pride gear. Uh, Berkey's captain armband was rainbow-colored. Often at Pride events, I feel like the corporate sponsorships and the rainbow merch can look a little tacky, and you imagine just the CEOs of these mega companies just ended up back, you know, just end up backing bigoted candidates for elected office anyway. Um, but this feels different, and I think values are very important in sports teams. More important because of how they their role in our society um i i appreciated on the city app the profiles of the uh, little profiles of three lgbt fans a couple weeks ago that explained and the fans explained why inclusion and representation were and representation were important to them um and uh, and so i think the team seemed to me like they did a very good job i want that atmosphere of inclusion i don't want you know, so that that kind of stuff matters more to me than what's on the pitch. Um, I don't want our fan base to have a, a macho, jerky culture. I don't think that's not what's happening. I don't think we're going to be that. Um, we have a majority female ownership group, which is the first of its kind, I believe, in which is the which is a first for professional sports, I believe. I haven't met uh, the CEO personally, but she is a young woman, and I think that's an objectively good thing, rather than just you know having all the. We're, I think everyone's familiar with some of the shady creep owners out there. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to um, our friend George, who I hung out with in Madrid a couple days ago. He lives 
in Vallecas, he, in, which is the neighborhood in Madrid where Rayo Vallecano play. Uh, they're a successful team. This is the last day of the season today in Spain. They're in 10th. Um, but what he likes the most is the co- club culture. Uh, he values that it's a very, the fan base is very vocally anti-discrimination. Um, and that's, you know, something that I find inspiring. It's hard to, we've invested so much in an organization, it's a little hard to commit so much uh, when it's owned by business people, Not it's not a democracy. Um, but so far the signs are really good. I mean, the, it's great for the city, I feel like. And then it just so happens that we're first in the table with a plus 18 goal difference. Amazing things, wonderful game. I'd love to miss you, all of y'all. Um, I'm looking forward this week to, first of all, what, everything you guys have to say, because I like you, but also to hearing a Steve Martin and Martin Short recap from Patrick. Okay. Adios. All right. Thank you for whatever thoughts those were, Drew. We appreciate it. I was delighted to hear that um, Drew, I think this was on the Discord, that Drew is staying with people in Madrid in the Vallecas neighborhood where our Spanish team Rayo Vallecano is, and they are they are fans of said team. So we got this weird little, weird little world of soccer friends that we have we have developed. Today is the last game of La Liga, so I'm going to... Oh, and it's a doozy of a last day at the bottom of the table. I think there are six teams who can still be relegated on this last Ooh. game, and they might end up tied on points up to five or maybe even all six of them, I can't remember, might be tied on points, and it'll go to you know a series of obscure tiebreakers after that. Do you know if Rio still has Europe possibility? Or? I think they dropped out of that. Okay, that's what I thought. Do we want to talk the Dallas game since we're not gonna we're not gonna be back before that happens oh yeah I guess not I guess we need to do a preview we already have score predictions on the book I can pull up what those were but yeah what do we think we have starting from the 50th minute we will get a little bit of a soccer game on Wednesday and it'll be the same same lineup which I don't remember who was on the field I really think we are a much different team now that we've worked out the positional kinks in the in the spine there. I agree. Well, but we won't be playing that. Although I guess we have enough substitutions. Maybe we can. Oh, but I guess Blom Blom can't play, right? Blom is on the bench. He he's on the bench. Oh, he was on the bench. Okay. I believe Perez is at the base of the midfield in when the game kicks off again, and a sub could be made. So I don't have a ton of thoughts other than I agree with Chris that I think we're, even if the players are slightly different, I think we have figured out what we're meant to do. I think our, our energy is good. The vibes are high. We've got good momentum. So we have statistically done well against teams from Texas. It's true. Which I don't know that that matters, but I don't know. So it'll be good. You know, a little midweek taste of, of soccer. We have gotten very lucky the last three weeks that we have not played midweek games and a lot of our opponents have. Well, this is just whatever, half a midweek game. Yeah. So now that even we have one, it's like, oh, but it's only a bit of a game. And then we have until Sunday to rest with the against the Galaxy. Which I don't even think you need to rest against the Galaxy. Like they could start me at midfield and I'd probably be fine. That might be an overstatement. We'll get into it at the midweek. Um, Dallas, the game is at 0-0. We'll play the remaining 40 minutes plus stoppage. I think I'd pay money to see Nate go 
toe to toe with Ricky Pouge. <laughs> I mean, I think it would be funny. Barcelona, former Barcelona player, best player in the league, on the worst team in the league, perhaps. But it'd be funny for about eight seconds, and then it would just be sad. And that eight seconds might be overstating it. Trying to get in better shape. But corrections and omissions from about 45 seconds ago, it does appear that with a win for Rio and a series of losses for Girona Athletic Osasuna, they could sneak into the Europa Conference League. I think they would need three results, four results to go their way. Still amazing for our, our little team, kind of the last neighborhood team existing in La Liga. Stadium is smaller than City Park. All right. Hopefully we can get another three points out of Wednesday. That would be fantastic. Move for, you know, add some distance at the top of our divisions table. Yeah, we're sitting pretty, aren't we? In the West. And I, okay, I have a, a thought to run by you, uh, gentlemen. And it's, it's, it's not entirely formed, so bear with me. But because we're split into these conferences and we don't get the traditional home and away fixture against every team, does it, does it seem to you, because it's starting to seem like this to me, that we just don't have enough control over our own destiny? And if you're going to make Supporter Shield a thing, best record a thing, but also you know put more emphasis maybe on the, the postseason cup, I don't know. I feel... Like, you know, we beat Cincinnati and we should get another chance to beat Cincinnati and tank points off of them if they're going to be. And, and I'm, I mean, this is very hopeful that we'll be in this position at the end of the season uh, to be having this conversation. But in a traditional league structure, you get you get more control over your own destiny, I feel. What do you think of that? Yeah, totally agree. Think, I think about that a lot. Uh, the supporter shield is weird in an unbalanced league. Yeah, you, you don't have the chance to to make up points in the same way that you do in a a single table league. So it, it almost seems like, oh, it's a cool thing to have and it's it's nice out there, but it's I, I struggle with knowing how meaningful it, it really is. Now that being said, I think Cincinnati is playing really well. I only watched the game that we destroyed them. So it's a hard time believing that. But the Yeah, their only loss of the season. Yeah. It is nice to see us back on top. Now LA has we we have like LA has three games in hand on us or something. So you know they've got a chance to make it up but it's just it's really nice because at the beginning of the season like people were really saying we would get three or four wins all season we've got three wins in the last three weeks yeah and i think slowly but surely i'm coming around to drew's way of thinking this is just wonderful and let's appreciate it while we laugh while it lasts and and enjoy it in the moment i agree let's end it on that we'll keep enjoying st louis city as, as always, please reach out to us at STL City Press on Twitter, stlewiscitypress at gmail.com, um, or, you know, comment on wherever you yeah. get your, your favorite podcasts. Send us some listener questions. We'll address them live on air. Yeah. Or not live, but you know what I mean. And still, still looking for sponsors. So not really. Phil was upset last night that we told his neighbors that he does a podcast. Yep. Don't like it. All right. I do like St. Louis City. Gentlemen, thanks for joining, talking about the game. Talk to you later this week. Go City. Have a good one.